Well, like many of you, I have been just absolutely overwhelmed by the depth of commitment by those in the healthcare profession and overwhelmed with, with gratitude. Each and every day throughout this horrible health crisis, they are getting up and they're going to work and they are caring for the sick and the dying. Nick Brown was in the ICU at the Cleveland Clinic with COVID-19 and on a ventilator for days. Thankfully, he recovered. And as he was recovering, he wanted to share his gratitude for the incredible commitment of those who took care of him. Let me just invite you to take a look at Nick's story uh, on this video and listen uh, how he thanked his healthcare workers. Did you catch that? I absolutely love their determination. They were undeterred and they were unwavering by saying to him, we will get you home. This has been a most challenging time and there are greater challenges ahead. But through this, we are seeing the love of God incredibly expressed through human compassion. I can't help but hear stories like Nick's and his healthcare workers and not think about the incredible commitment and love of Jesus for humankind. Jesus entered the last week of his life with a purpose and commitment. And as Sarah pointed out in our kids' message, it started on a high note. Uh, the people gathered by the street, and as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, they shouted, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. It's interesting. Do you hear notes in that verse of what the angels proclaimed when he was born on Christmas? Just take note of that. People were joyfully praising Jesus. You know, I hope in this time that you will also move to a place of joyfully praising Jesus. Jesus. Yes, it is the most challenging season, and there are times we all sort of hit the proverbial wall, but we can also find deep joy and deep satisfaction in knowing that Jesus loves us and that he is with us. So let me suggest to you uh, this week, as you uh, walk throughout your week, get a list of your favorite hymns or your favorite praise songs and, and find a way to listen to them in whatever way uh, and method you can. You'll be surprised how much it'll give lift to your day. But Jesus just didn't hear praises and cheers that day, did he? He had also his opponents, his detractors. Those who opposed him were also there and before the end of the week, the cheers would turn to jeers. Insults would be hurled at him as he went to the epitome of a humiliating death. But through it all, for you and me, he was unwavering. He was undeterred. He was committed. This morning on the beginning of this holy week, I would like to engage in uh, a message with just a little bit of comparison and contrast. We'll use various texts from out the Gospels. But just as Jesus was undeterred, in his purpose to die for the sins of the world, we can also see the other side of the coin. We can also see the all-too-human reality of some around him who wavered in their commitment and their love and their loyalty. Let's just learn from their struggles this morning and then celebrate the passion of Jesus as a contrast. Before we do, uh, let me give credit where credit is due. I've really enjoyed uh, some of the works of my favorites, like Tim Keller and N.T. Wright and Leith Anderson, they've influenced my journey in thinking not only through this Holy Week, but in Holy Weeks in years gone by. There are two struggles that I want us to see. The first struggle is this, the struggle with Judas Iscariot and the struggle of 
short-term thinking. Jesus warned us of the dangers of short-term thinking, of living for the moment instead of thinking about the long term. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, he said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, which is short-term thinking, yet forfeit their soul? Judas was one of the 12 closest disciples. Ironically, he was placed in charge of the money that Jesus and his disciples used to meet their greatest needs. But when the heat was on, when Jesus' opponents were closing in on him, he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Imagine that, selling Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. He turned on him. He would later feel such remorse that he threw the the silver pieces to the ground and eventually hanged himself. Why do you think Judas did it? How could he have switched loyalties? I grew up in North Carolina, which in the 70s and 80s was arguably the capital of college basketball. And if you grew up in that area, you really had three teams uh, from which you could choose to place your loyalty. The University of North Carolina Tar Heels, the Duke Blue Devils, or the North Carolina State Wolfpack. Now, yes, there were also is the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, but not, not many people followed them. I guess they went to church with too many of those. That, that was a joke. I got one laugh. There's only four people in the room, but anyway, maybe you're laughing at home. Well, I was a huge Tar Heel fan. Uh, to this day, uh, in my room, I have a commemorative uh, Coke bottle of when the Tar Heels won the national championship in 81-82. And one of my best friends in high school was a guy named Freddie Peterson. And Freddie was a big North Carolina State Wolfpack fan. And we would play basketball almost every day after school. And I would be Michael Jordan from the Tar Heels, and he would be David Thompson from the Wolfpack. Now, that really stretches the imagination. But one of the things that shocked me is Freddie was a couple of grades ahead of me, and when he went to college, he didn't go to North Carolina State. He chose to go to the University of North Carolina, and he became an avid Tar Heel fan. Now, why did Freddie switch? It was for the money. No, he didn't get a scholarship, but his parents sent their money there, and I guess he figured he may as well be loyal as well. So Luke tells us that Judas switched his loyalty from Jesus to Satan. Now, why? Was it for the money? People do all kinds of things for money. They sell out their ethics. They jeopardize their careers. Some of the meanest fights I've seen in families have been over money. Maybe it was for political reasons. In this town, we see people switching political loyalties almost the way they change their socks. Judas probably never really grasped what kind of Messiah Jesus claimed to be. Maybe he was looking for a political or military Messiah. Leith Anderson writes, this could not have happened by accident or ignorance. Judas made the deliberate choice to welcome the prince of evil into his life. No matter why he did it, it was short-term. It was short-term gain, and it didn't last long. And in deep remorse, he took his life. It is not surprising to me that when Jesus took this defining moment, when he stepped toward his major moment in the course of human history, when he would identify as a Savior who would serve, a Lord who would demand loyalty to another kingdom, that Judas turned.
turned. My guess is he never really knew who Jesus was. Let me ask you gently this morning. Do you know the real Jesus? We're so often tempted to recast and remake Jesus into our own image. You have, may have said yes to the church and the routine of religion, but you've never said yes to a personal relationship and friendship with Jesus. Church can bring us really close to Jesus, like Judas. It can make us look like a follower even, but it does not replace the knowledge of Jesus. Or maybe you've said yes to Jesus as a wise teacher, but you've not really said yes to the Jesus who wants to come into your life and to teach you about yourself, to come into your life and show you that you have need and that you indeed are a sinner in need of a Savior, and He wants to save you and forgive you. Or maybe you've said yes to Jesus that you can fit in when it's necessary and convenient, but you've not said yes to the Jesus who wants to completely take over your life. Do you know the Jesus who loves you so much that he gave his life for you? Yes, he demands your love and loyalty, but he does not demand anything from you that he has not already given to you, his love and his loyalty. I doubt Judas ever really realized the historical impact of his betrayal. But that's what it's like when you deal with the devil. The devil always downplays and deceives when it comes to consequences. The devil always raises up short-term gain for long-term pain. Judas was the ultimate example of this. He betrayed him. He switched his loyalty. Have you ever been tempted to betray Jesus? To say, I'm finished with Jesus. I hope not. I pray not. The second struggle I want us to see is the struggle of Simon Peter and the struggle for survival. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Peter's story of that last week started out strong. I mean, his story of that last week looked like he was taking this saying of Jesus and applying it directly in his life that he should deny himself for the cause and for the sake of Jesus. During the Last Supper, the way that the Gospels report that week, Jesus and Peter had a sidebar conversation. You know, one of those conversations that two people have in the middle of a broader conversation? The broader conversation was an argument. Don't you hate it when that happens? It ruins a really good meal. The other disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them that the greatest would be the one who serves, not the other way around. Then he told Peter that he prayed for him. He told Peter that he prayed that his faith would not fail. Then Peter leaned in to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, I am ready to deny myself. Jesus, I am ready to go to prison with you. Jesus, I am ready to even die with you. Jesus, I've got your back. It's me and you all the way. But Peter's faith did waver. After Jesus was arrested, and while he was being interrogated and tortured, Peter was in the courtyard and Peter denied Jesus three times when he asked if he knew him. 
He was clinging to what he thought he needed to survive. Let me say that again. He was clinging to what he thought he needed to survive. It's amazing how quickly things turned for Peter. When we read his story in the Bible, he seemed like a profile in courage. He was the one to step out of the boat and walk on the water. He was the one to confess that Jesus was the Messiah. But in this case, when the pressure was on, he denied him. Faith under pressure. Denial. It's not the same as betrayal. To betray someone is to switch loyalties. In this case, Peter didn't switch loyalties, but he denied what he knew to be true. In a very different way, our faith is under pressure right now, isn't it? No, we're not in a courtyard with people interrogating us about our relationship with Jesus, but in our thoughts of making it through this pandemic, we may deny in a very practical way our relationship with Jesus. We may choose to stand with our anxieties and fears rather than standing with Jesus. I remember reading a book not long ago about, with a provocative title called The Christian Atheist by Craig Rochelle. The premise of this book is that Christians often say they believe in God, but they don't live as if God exists. They don't fully open their lives to the power and the peace and the love and the grace of God. In this moment, Peter was acting like a Christian atheist. Of course he knew Jesus, but he wasn't acting like there was anything about Jesus that was accessible to him in the moment. And boy, it did a number on him. He knew deep down that he not only denied Jesus in his time of need, but he knew deep down that he had denied his own values and he had denied his own convictions. And the scriptures tell us that Peter broke down. He broke down and he wept bitterly. My prayer is that we will be people who lean in to Jesus and that we would not deny his power and his presence in our lives, even when the pressure is on, that we would be people who would believe in the supernatural power of Jesus to come to us when the pressure is on and to give us life to the full, even in the midst of a challenging time. What a last week for Jesus. Not only did he experience incredible physical suffering, he experienced the reality of betrayal and denial from two of his disciples. Well, in the midst of this incredible week that started really high and went downhill, we find emerging an incredible picture. We find emerging this beautiful, we find emerging this undeterred, history-changing picture of love and loyalty. We see in this last week of his life the loyal Lord, our loyal King. He was loyal. Let me ask you to ponder his love and loyalty as you watch this video from the movie Passion of the Christ from the point of view of his mother Mary. Love so amazing. Love so divine. I know that is a movie and there are artistic liberties taken, but did you see the way he wrapped his arms around the cross? I have no doubt that happened. Did you see the fierce, undeterred commitment to his purpose to go to the cross to die 
for you and me. We believe in faith that that happened. He walked through moments of deep spiritual despair. He sweat drops of blood in anticipation of the agony of the cross. He would endure being spit upon, beaten, bruised, and bloodied. He would endure the mocking of the crowd and even harder still, the rejection of those who loved him, the rejection of his own people. His loyalty was not just to some ethereal purpose or some vision statement tacked up on the company break room wall. His loyalty was intensely personal. His loyalty was for you and it was for me. It was for all of humankind so that we might be rescued and so that we might be set free from sin, disease, and death. And as if to give us hope, as if to give us hope that we could be loyal, there were four who went with him, four who stayed with him all the way to the cross. Mary, his mother, followed him all the way to the cross. His aunt followed him all the way to the cross. Mary Magdalene followed him all the way to the cross. John the Beloved, his best friend, followed him all the way to the cross. I am so glad the Gospels tell us this because it forever gives us a picture. It forever gives us a model that in his darkness hour, darkest hour, there were those who stayed with him. And no matter how hard it gets, no matter how deep the despair, no matter how tragic the time, we can stay by the side of Jesus and we can be loyal. We can cling to Jesus just as he did to the cross for us. I want to be like them. I want to be like the four, don't you? I don't want to be like the others who betrayed him, denied him, and ran. I want to be like the one who stays. That is really the question before us this morning. And all throughout the bout with COVID-19, is it not? Are we going to cheer for Jesus and praise Jesus and worship Jesus and stay by his side all the way? Will we allow our loyalty and love for him to spill over into every area of our lives to hold us and to carry us? Will we do this? You know what's so amazing about the love he has for us and the loyalty he has for us, that his love knows no limits and his loyalty knows no limits even when we falter, even when we struggle, even when we are weak. He still loves us and he's still loyal to us. How should you respond to this kind of love and loyalty? Open your heart. And receive his love today. And if you've ever turned your back on Jesus, come home. Come back to him. Recommit your love and your loyalty to him. For you see the way the week really ends is not with the cross. The week ends with Christ risen and triumphant. The week ends with Christ triumphant over sin and death and disease. That's what we'll celebrate next week as we continue this journey together. Let us stay by the side of Jesus. Amen.